Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redeemer Church. Redeemer Church is located in Fate, Texas, and her mission is to share the gospel, shape disciples, and send missionaries into the surrounding communities and across the globe. We hope that this week's message will bring glory to God by building you up and resulting in you looking more and more like Jesus himself. Good morning. Welcome. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Charles. I'm one of the elders here at the church. And I have been given the privilege to stand before you this morning and share what God has laid on my heart. These are not shoes. What I have in here, too bad the kids aren't here because they might like what I have. It is the Batmobile, a Bat motorcycle, Legos. My grandchildren love me so much, they thought they wanted to get me something different for my birthday last August. Now, what you have to know about me is I am a perpetual procrastinator. Don't ask Judy, I told you the truth. I put off big projects maybe for years at a time, sometimes, to my chagrin. It shouldn't be that way, but I do. This project I started, 691 paces, 771 pages in the manual, or little sections, show you how to put all the little pieces together. And I got this far. One piece. One piece was not in that box, was not in one of the packages. One piece stopped me from accomplishing my task. Set my day in a turmoil. Set my day, just, just I went out to, you know, I can't finish this thing. They, they left a piece out. Like Judy's like, okay. But see, that day I had set aside that I was going to accomplish a number of major projects, and I was on a roll. And then I wanted to finish this. I wanted to take the pictures and post it on Facebook. I wanted to show my grandkids, Grandpa finished the project. One piece. And I had to stop. So I couldn't attach the front wheel. I sat for 15 minutes going through this little bag of little pieces. I kept, I went through every single one. I went through it twice. I looked all over the floor. I looked under my computer. I looked under the, the printer that's on my desk. I looked under the papers that were on my desk. It wasn't there. Okay. Check Lego. Let's see what Lego is going to do about this. Get on there, Lego. And the print is so fine in that manual, I had to get a magnifying glass. Uh, maybe it's because I'm old. But... I had to get a magnifying glass to see what the part number was for that part. Sent off the email, sent off the thing, and they said, okay, we might get an email in just a couple of days, let you, letting you know, if, you know what we're going to do. So they sent me an email and said, it's in the mail. Good, I'll get it before I go on vacation. No, I didn't. But what happened here 
is I finally got it while I was on vacation. Now, I'm sure all of you sitting in the back can see this little black thing right here, this little two-millimeter piece stopped me from completing my project. A two-millimeter piece stopped me. That wasn't fair. It's a small thing. To some of you, it's nothing. Well, you're not the one doing the building. I was doing the building. I was on a roll. But it was a small thing. But you know, there may be some things in your life that happen that are maybe small things that I see as, that's no big deal. One Christmas when we were living in Garland, kids are little, Christmas time, we're broke. We have no money, no extra money whatsoever. Heater goes out. My parents are in town, and I'm sitting there, what am I going to do? So I'm sitting there trying, because there was no YouTube. Yeah, that's how old I am. No YouTube. And I've been trying to figure out this heater and trying to figure out, okay, what is it that, you know, why isn't it working and stuff like that? And some, I don't know how my neighbors found out about it. But they come walking over to the house and they brought their repairman with them and he fixed it. Don't worry about it. You see, there can be small things or there can be major things that happen in our life that disrupt what's going on, that throw us into a spin, that that causes the turmoil, that causes things to happen in our lives. Well, here we are in the midst of Advent, the second week. What is it? Well, first, Advent is an invitation. We all get invitations. We can accept them or reject them. We can reply to them or we can just simply discard them. But Advent is an invitation. It's an invitation to set our mind off the stresses, the turmoil of the year. We can take our focus off the crazy hustle of the season and the sadness that could accompany the different ways some of us may be choosing to observe the holiday season this year. I don't know what you're going through. Some of you may have lost loved ones during this time of the year and it's very hard for you to go through this without that loved one. Some of you could have had some tragedy or something happen. You've lost a, a child. You've lost, you know, something that may have happened that this, this time of year brings back that memory. Well, the hope is that Advent, as we move through this Advent season, it will help you take, off your, take this off your mind. Even when things feel chaotic, even when we are having our thoughts of all these different things that go on within the holiday season, we can find peace in Jesus. For Advent is a chance to focus our thoughts on the gift of God has given us in his son, Jesus Christ, who stepped down from heaven and took the form of a man so that we might believe. You see, this day of Advent, it it centers around peace that's founded in our faith. It focuses on the second coming, which is the hope that we look forward to, which we faithfully wait for. 
ready in ourselves for this time. That's our hope. But sometimes this time of year gets kind of chaotic. So that's why I entitled this Peace While in Turmoil because we're running all over. We're cruising the internet. We're trying to find out my son. We just came from my son's house. Judy kept pressuring, What's, what do the kids want for Christmas? What do, Ain't got it yet, Mom. Be patient, Mom. You know, Judy wants to, you know, haven't got the kids list yet, Mom. I mean, he's got four of them. And so finally we get the list. Yesterday. So now Judy has to go through and start ordering this. I don't do it. I don't order the stuff. The only Christmas gifts I buy are the ones she tells me to buy, and I buy for her. That's it. In, out, got it, know what I'm going to get her, that's it. But for some of us, you're running all over, you're going to different stores, you're checking things out, you're checking prices and everything. That's Judy's job, not mine. But for those of those, I, I, I look at that word turmoil, and I said, what's the definition? The definition of turmoil is a state of great disturbance, confusion, or, ascent, or uncertainty. Boy, talk about disrupting somebody's day if some of this stuff like this happens. Other enemies of peace are discontent, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, a lack of trust in God, and other sinful thought, thought patterns. And perhaps in the midst of this holiday season, some of you may be experiencing one or more of these emotions. Or you may even be saying, this defines my lifestyle. This morning, I want to take a look at the word peace. But before we do, I want to stop and talk with the author. So let's pray. Father, I pray that we bring a sense of calmness here today that we can put the outside stuff outside. That as we come here today and open your word and, and share our thoughts, that your word will have its desired effect. God, you sent your son, the Prince of Peace. Let us today through this season and through our lives experience this peace which he brought to this earth. This peace that he gives us through our faith in him. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi and where the scriptures pick up in Matthew or in the Gospels, there's this 400-year gap. The last verse of chapter 4 of Malachi provided a prophetic link. In 4-5 it says, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers so that I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction. 
Here's a prophecy of the coming of Elijah or a type of Elijah in which the angel Gabriel refers to John the Baptist as the one who goes before Jesus in the spirit of the power of Elijah in Luke 1. And Jesus calls John the Baptist in Matthew eleven fourteen 14, the Elijah. Even though John the Baptist said, I'm not Elijah, Jesus pointed to him as an Elijah type. The prophecy also announced the coming of the Lord. But within that 400-year gap, Rome became a dominant power and effectively ruled Israel. The religious leaders have become more and more corrupt. The hope of most of the Israelites were earthly, not heavenly. But, as through history, there is always a remnant. When the northern kingdoms were taken off by Assyria, there was a remnant. When Judah was taken off into captivity, there was a remnant. There were always people left behind in the land. They weren't the leaders. They weren't the professionals, because those are the ones that they took. But they were people. And now when we come to the New Testament, the events surrounding the birth of John the Baptist, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they... They have a visitor by Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, and he, he comes in, and Zechariah's in the temple, and he's there, and he's, he's doing what he's doing, and, the, and Gabriel appears to him, and it's like, yo, what's up, dude? And Gabriel, he, he makes this announcement that him and, him and Elizabeth are going to have a child, and he goes, whoa, wait a minute, we're too old. You know, we've heard that story before. You know, we're, we're too old, that isn't going to happen. And Gabriel says, oh, yes, it is. And as a sign is going to happen, you're not going to be able to talk. The cynical side of me wondered, what did Elizabeth think of that? <laughs> you know, now you can get a word in edgewise. That's just a thought that crossed my mind. The baby's born. Elizabeth said the baby's name is going to be John. Oh, wait a minute, you know, all the family, there's nobody in the family named John. Why are you going to name him John? And so they look to Zechariah, and he, he writes down on a tablet, his name is going to be John. Now his mouth is opened. He's able to speak. Filled with the Spirit, he prophesied. And the prophecy addressed God's mercy by offering redemption to the undeserving nation because God is faithful to his covenant. It also speaks to the fact that in, chapter, in Luke in 2, 76 through 70, 79, it says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, which is a fulfillment of Malachi 3.1. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the for, forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high and give light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, a guide to guide our feet into the way of peace. Peace. This peace was not only a peace from, from the Gentiles, because that's what Israel wanted. Israel wanted Romans gone. They wanted them out. 
but it wasn't going to happen. But this peace which is talked about here is both a peace for the Gentile from the result of knowing, and again, but it's also a peace from knowing the experience and experiencing forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins. The peace that we find in Christ is so much more. Now we come to the coming of Christ. The angel's announcement. I find it interesting when it says the, the, the shepherds were filled with great fear. Why? Because the glory. It says the, the angels appeared in the glory. And now when you think about that, that glory was the same glory that Moses saw in the burning bush. That glory was the same glory that manifested itself in the tabernacle. That glory was the same glory that manifested itself and came down into Solomon's temple once it was completed. But for over 500 years, Israel had no sign of God. No indication of God. There was no visible sign of God's presence among his people. And now the glory which Israel was, had waited was presented to shepherds in a field not to the priests over in the temple. Luke 10, 10 through 14 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The birth of Jesus Christ, first of all, was to bring glory to God. Second of all, it was to bring peace. Peace with whom he is pleased. This is an answer to the prophecy of Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, where it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Prince of Peace, the one who is offering peace, the same peace found in Zechariah's prophecy, the same peace the angels proclaimed that can be experienced by those whom he is pleased, and who are they? We find that answer simply in John three sixteen and 18. Through 18, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the son, the only son of God. Those who believe, those who put their faith and trust in the very fact that Jesus Christ went upon a cross, shed his blood, died, was buried, resurrected, and ascended into heaven where he sits this day, 
Those are the people who put their faith in him are the ones who are experiencing his peace or should be experiencing his peace. But what I find interesting is that for us, those of us who are experiencing that peace or should be experiencing that peace in our lives no matter when or where we are or what is happening around us. I found it interesting as I was moving through the Gospels that we come to Matthew 5, 9 where it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. A peacemaker is basically one who has the peace. It is a righteous person. They're at peace with God. They become messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ. They are the ones who speak forth what God has done for them. Because they're so at peace, we should be so at peace with ourselves that we should be able to freely express that openly and honestly to anyone that comes, we come across. Any opportunity that God gives us for those are the people he said are blessed. Those are the people who say are blessed or happy. But I wonder, have you given much thought to the next beatitude that follows? For in Matthew 5.10, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Peacemakers proclaim the gospel, be able to spread the peace of God. Proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Show people how they, that he can cleanse them of their sins and give them, offer them forgiveness. But yet at the same time, be prepared to be persecuted. Be prepared to be mocked and ridiculed. Be prepared to be laughed at. I think of Tim Tebow. He never, never had a problem expressing his faith. He had never had a problem praying. But one of the articles I read when he was quarterbacking for the Denver Broncos is, we just don't want his type around, is what they said. The religious thing is kind of out of hand. That's, I thought was pretty sad to get rid of a quarterback who came in mid-season and took you to the playoffs almost to the Super Bowl. But it's sad. But we are to be prepared for that. But yet, we will be blessed. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this peace which Isaiah spoke of, and the coming of the Prince of Peace, and will last forever. This peace spoke of in Zechariah's prophecy, this peace proclaimed by the angels, the peace which makes one happy to share, despite the possible mocking and the ridicule one may receive. So I have to ask the question, what's so special about this peace? Jesus tells us in John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have to put this in the context. Jesus now is in the upper room. And he's beginning to divulge the, the very specific things which are going to happen to him in the coming days. He's telling his disciples, I'm going to die. Whoa, wait a minute. He also says, I'm going to be portrayed. And that's when he looks at Judas and says, Judas, go do what you have to do. That's when Peter stands up and says, oh, no, Lord, I'm not going to betray you. I'm going to be right there with you. Thanks, Peter, but before the cock crows, or before you'll deny me three times before the cock crows. This period of time, the disciples' world is being shaken because Jesus is telling him that I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to die. I'm going to go away and you're not going to see me. But then I'm going to come back and you're going to see me for a little bit. And then I'm going away again. And I thought it very interesting as you read through that upper course, that upper room discourse. It concludes right before what they call Jesus' priestly prayer in chapter 17. In 1633, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, I give to you this peace in verse 27. This peace I give to you, it's free. It's not the same peace that's in the world. Because we will, when we think of worldly peace, what do we think of? We think of the absence of crime. We think of the absence of war. We think of the absence of hatred and racism and all the isms that are out there. We think of it being, that's peace. But it's not the peace that we get from Jesus Christ. It's the peace that will come sometime in the future after his second coming. It's the peace that will be established for eternity once Jesus Christ has established his kingdom. That peace, yes. But today, where we live today, it's not reality. But he said, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. I've told you everything that's going to happen to me so that you may have this peace, knowing that even though all these tragic things are going to happen to me, and you're going to be there, and you're going to witness them, you can have peace in the midst of all of this. Well, we all know that once Jesus Christ was convicted, once Jesus Christ... the the disciples scattered. Peter denied him. These things took place. Jesus rose from the grave, came back. The disciples and more than 500 saw him and then he ascended into heaven. And once he ascended into heaven, he said the Holy Spirit would come. The helper would come. 
He told them that in the upper room. And so when it came, it wasn't really a surprise. But when we look at the Holy Spirit, what do we think of? We think of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And what are the fruits? Love, joy, peace. It is a gift that we can experience because of our relationship with Him. Because of the fact that we put our faith and trust in Him. It's that peace that in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the hustle and bustle, the shopping and everything else like that, it's that peace where we can simply calmly say, God's in control. And it doesn't matter whether it's a two millimeter piece so small or something as major as a heating unit going out in the middle of winter. It doesn't matter. God's in control. He'll take care of it. The Greek defines this peace that Jesus offers as a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. Is there something in your life that keeps you from experiencing the peace, the peace offered through Jesus Christ? Perhaps it's finances. I don't know about you, but a couple of weeks ago, a nurse posted a a video on, and it hit the news. And this nurse broke down crying. The fact that her her husband both work full-time jobs, have a couple of side hustles, and, and they're still not making it. They're still having trouble making ends meet. And she said, we'd only have two to $300 to make it to the next payday which is usually every two weeks. For some, they think, well, okay. I don't know their lifestyle, but what I sensed from her there is there was no sense of peace, no sense that there is this, you know, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. We just got to give it time. We got to trust the Lord. We had a, Judy and I had a situation and she asked me, well, should I bring this up, this topic up? And I said, no. Wait. Just wait on the Lord. Let the Lord work this out. A couple of weeks later, I, think, I really think I should talk, say something. I really think I should talk about this. I said, no. Wait. We waited and everything worked itself out. Worked itself out perfectly. Something only God could do. Maybe there's some family turmoil. Maybe there's a disconnect between brothers and sisters, parents. Maybe there's a disconnect somewhere within family. Maybe that's bringing turmoil to you during this holiday season. Can you be at peace with that? Can you rest and let Christ, the peace of Christ, Rule in your heart. Maybe there's some outside relationships. Maybe there's some people that you're not getting along with. A neighbor. A neighbor whose dog barks and barked and barked and barked. That's gradually getting better for me. Because that dog basically was 
caused tension between us. But now we're at a stage where we're at least waving at each other, saying good morning, step in the right direction. What about the world? We've got innocent people being murdered and killed in Africa just because they're Christians or just because they're of a different tribe, and we don't hear anything about that in the news. We've got Ukraine going on, but we're not hearing much about that. Why? Because Israel's now at war, and they have taken over the headlines. We've got a church in China that's being decimated simply because they don't like Christians. The same is true as in Russia. What about politics? I know, we're not supposed to talk about politics. But what about it? You think of our country. I think of my country as a boy growing up and where we are today. The peace, the unrest, the violence, the anger. Maybe that's affecting you. I don't know. One time in my life, politics was very prominent in my life, and I finally said, I don't need this. I became a more peaceful person. The peace of Jesus offers is the quietness that would come to our hearts from trusting in God and from knowing that he wasn't, was in control of all events that touched our lives. That's the peace. We're coming to that point where we're saying, even though all this stuff is going on, Jesus is still in control and I can trust him. And when I think about this, when I think about the peace of Jesus Christ, a story comes to mind. It's one you've probably heard time and time again, but please bear with me because this story is the epitome of peace. Horatio Spafford was a Chicago lawyer and friend of evangelist Dwight Moody. In 1873, to visit Moody's preaching campaign in England, he planned a trip for his family to Europe and sent his wife Anna and daughters to go ahead. For in October of 1871, he had lost a considerable amount of his business in the Chicago fire. So he stayed behind to take care of, of some of the issues relating to the loss. However, during the cruise, there was a collision at sea and the ship sank and, the only, and only his wife, Anna, survived. Their four daughters, Annie, 11, Maggie, 9, Bessie, 5, and Tetna, Two all died. Upon arriving in Cardiff, Wales, Anna sent a telegram to Horatio which began, Saved only. What shall I do? Horatio quickly sailed to join his wife midway across the Atlantic. The captain told him that they were near the place where the ship had sunk and his daughters perished. Though grieving, he experienced in this moment a supernatural peace. 
In his circumstances, this peace could only be a gift of God. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. During the voyage, Horatio began to compose a hymn to put the words to his experience of peace. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows, like sea, billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Peace, however, is not the only emotion, as this first verse presents. Alongside peace, railing grief, depicted with the characteristic of water, a water image of sorrow like seas billows roll. In other words, both peace and pain will intermingle in the Christian response to grief. But the midst of these contrasting emotions, whatever his lot, he will rest in the gospel of hope that it is well with my soul. Horatio struggled with his grief because more pain is re- referenced to Satan. It's in the second verse. Though Satan should buffet through trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. I like that. Let this blessed assurance control. That Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. As Horatio grappled with the question of why God allowed his daughters to die, He took assurance from God's own experience of death. For God sent his own son Jesus to shed his own blood. Notice that Horatio applied the blood of Christ to his own soul. This theme is then expanded expanded upon in the third verse. My sin, oh the bliss of the glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This verse is an expansion of 1 Peter 2, 24, that Christ bore our sins in this body on the tree. Through the first impression, it may seem strange to find peace in the punishment of the cross. We can understand it through the lens of substitution, Christ received our punishment so that we might receive his peace. Thus Jesus says, making peace by the blood of the cross. The final verse looks forward to the end times. The Lord shall return and reunite reunite with his people. The hope we have in Christ. It goes, and the Lord hastes the day When the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Given Horatio's loss of his daughters, the last verse is a fitting conclusion, a substantial hope amid his lost In the end, the strongest antidote to grief is the hope of resurrection. 
Indeed, resurrection is the only reason we can authentically sing, it is well with my soul. Though there was no chorus in the original manuscript of the hymn, it is fitting that we have turned this line into its refrain and repeated Horatio's central and glorious paradox of well-being even in the midst of death. It is well, it is well, with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well, with my soul. After the voyage, Horatio summarized his Christian hope with these poignant words. On Thursday last, we passed over the spot where she went down in mid-ocean. The water, three miles deep. But I do not think of our dear ones there. They are safe, folded, the dear lambs. And there before long shall we be too. Compared to something like that, a small piece missing, a heater going out, nothing. But yet at the time, the peace, the peace of Christ entered his life. So during this time, during this time of Advent, we are invited, we are invited to take part, the time to take our minds off the cares of the world and focus on Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you, will you commit to do that over the next few weeks as you face the activities, as you face the memories of past Christmases that may not have been so happy for you? Will you take time to rest in Jesus Christ and the peace that he offers in the coming year? For this is what we do during Advent. It's to take our focus off the world and put it on Christ. So that that peace in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the hustle and bustle, in the midst of all that's going on in our lives and our minds, we can say we're okay. For God is in control. Let's pray. Father, as we end this time together, I thank you for just tracing this one word through the scriptures. I just gained so much. My Father, and I know, Lord, because your scripture tells us that your word never goes out and comes back void. I pray for those this morning who struggle during this time of the season, who are caught up in the hustle and the bustle, who are wondering what's going to happen tomorrow. Father, that your peace would reign in their life, that they would experience the peace that you offer through your son, Jesus Christ, because of what you did on the cross.
because we have placed our faith in you, because we believe that you are the Lord of our lives. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for doing that for us. I thank you for the peace that you give and the hope that accomplishes it. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Shannon, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. I trust that the Lord has spoken to you through His Word, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to trust Him today. If you have questions about what that means, reach out to us through our website, RedeemerRC.com, and one of our pastors will be in touch. In addition, if you would like to partner with Redeemer in her mission to share, shape, and send, you can support our ministry by visiting RedeemerRC.com forward slash give. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your active participation in the life of a local church. But tune in next week as we continue to lift high the name of Jesus through every paragraph, passage, and page of the Bible.